This is John Blair from Dunham Cellars, and you're listening to the Walla Walla Special on the Seattle Dining Show. Coming to you live at the Test Kitchen Studio high atop Queen Anne Hill, it is time for the Seattle Dining Show. Join us as we explore news about Northwest restaurants, take a look at upcoming events, discover new kitchen tips you can use at home, dive into great recipes, and much more. And now, here's your host, the senior editor, Connie Adams, and whoever else just happened to drop by today. Hi, I'm Connie Adams, senior editor of Seattle Dining. And I'm Tom Marin, the publisher of Seattle Dining. And we are back with part two of our special Walla Walla edition of the Seattle Dining Show. And this is really going to be fun. Uh, We've got three more interviews in this part two. And then uh, we're going to end it with three days in Walla Walla, our own interpretation. So let me tell you how this is going to go. Uh, We're going to start with an interview with Andre from Andre's Kitchen. We talked a little bit about it in the first part of the show. And uh, and what we didn't say is that Andre also has a food truck. So if you go in the spring, summer, or fall, uh, the food truck gets parked around town, and you can – you can use whatever social media to find out where it is. So a uh, real good interview with him. We've also got an interview with Bill from Walla Walla Vintners, and we'll be talking about some of their wines, which, you know, you're really not going to find their wines at the wine store so much. Uh, primarily, you're going to find them in restaurants and at the tasting rooms because this is a small-volume winery, and so uh, this is your chance to listen to somebody from who's been doing it for a while, but it comes from – a very small selection of grapes and, and mm-hmm. that sort of thing. And then our third interview is with Jake from the Olive Marketplace, who used to work here in Seattle. I won't tell you where until the interview comes up. <laughs> but uh, he and his wife met at the restaurant that I'm not going to tell you where. Ever. And, uh, and then they departed Seattle and went out to Walla Walla and took over a large space, two mm-hmm. stories tall, big kitchen, and they've got uh, restaurant and catering facilities there. So, and uh, they moved not for that reason. That's, that's another right. little teaser. That's right. Um, it may have been an agricultural reason. Oh, no, just, I don't know. You could call it that, I suppose. Well, we'll find out when we get to yeah. the interview. Okay, and then we're going to end the show, and Connie and I have individually been sitting here writing down what would be three awesome days in Walla Walla, but we haven't been talking to each other, so I don't know what she put on her list, and she doesn't know what I have on my list, and so it should be fun when we come back. We'll uh, go through those lists, and uh, maybe you'll get some good ideas about where you want to travel when you go to Walla Walla. So stick around. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back. Hey, this is Christopher Chan, the host of Happy Hour Radio. And right now you're listening to the Seattle Dining Show. Hi, I'm Corey Nagler from Walla Walla, Washington. And one of my favorite places to eat here is Dora's Deli and Warm Ranch. Happy to have you here from Andre's Kitchen. Happy to be here. This is uh, this is pretty cool. 
This is fun, isn't it? It is. We've got a, our own little uh, conference room in the Marcus Whitman Hotel. That's fantastic. It's like real. Yeah. Well, I wanted to have you here today so we could find out some more about you. So tell me a little bit about your background. When did you start cooking and when did you go to school and on up to? About where we're at right now? Yes. Then? Okay. Um, <laughs> cooking uh, is basically my second career. I uh, was uh, in landscaping for quite a few years prior to uh, getting into cooking, um, oh. which is a little unknown fact i guess yes just, it was not on your website that's a scoop right there yes. and then um <laughs> and then uh it was probably about 20 years ago that uh i moved into the cooking thing and uh what prompted that getting tired of landscaping <laughs> and and trying to figure out something to do and actually my wife is the one that when i came home and told her that i was pretty much done landscaping she uh was like you know as every wife is um so what are you going to do? How are you supporting us? <laughs> he figured if he was working around raw meat, he wouldn't have to use as much hand moisturizer. That's probably true. Yes, my hands did improve a little. Um, she just encouraged me to go into cooking because it's kind of uh, been something that I've done my whole life. Okay. Um, from high school days to college to my first date with my wife you know cooking her dinner oh wow so the whole the whole thing just cooking has been part of what i've done um just never professionally until about 20 years ago so um i went to school i i started working for a guy to see if i liked it uh before i went to school and and uh it was uh it was a great experience for me i actually found that i really enjoyed being in the kitchen yeah it was it was fun times i really like that adrenaline you know that you get from being in there it's a huge adrenaline rush it it is when you get busy and you know tickets are flying and stuff's going and fire's going and (laughs) you're just in the moment it's a lot of fun what kind of what type of restaurant was it that you were it was a kind of a contemporary american place so it was uh kind of taking liberties with classics and uh you know, he did his own twist on things, and okay. uh, we just kind of worked uh, together on that in the end. In the beginning, I just started washing dishes and working in the mm-hmm. salad station just to see if I liked doing it. Yeah. So, and where was this? In Boise. Okay. Yeah. There's a restaurant called The Dish, which oh, okay. is no longer there oh. anymore. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's there now. It's in a second reincarnation. It went oh. away for a while and then oh, okay. came back. Yeah. Okay. And you liked it, so you decided oh, I did. to keep I loved on. It. He actually kicked me out, <laughs> you know, not in a bad way, but kind of like you're ready. Yeah, you, you know, even though you don't know all the intricate details of this, you have the the main ingredient, which in being a good cook is you're passionate and you mm-hmm. have a good palate. So, yeah. so just go do your thing. And so, yeah. um, 2002 and three, I went back to New York and. Uh, Went to the French Culinary Institute there, which okay. it's changed its name, I think, to the International Culinary College or something. Okay. Now. But it was at that time the French Culinary Institute. Okay. And uh, so not the CIA. Not CIA. Okay. No, it's the uh, one that's actually in Manhattan, right down on Broadway, close to uh, Chinatown, oh, okay. all in that area. And um, had a great time. And uh, while I was there, I was very fortunate to be able to intern uh, at some great places there. So I was at La Bernadette, 
Um, I was at Boulay and Danube and Baltazar. Big uh, names. Yeah, those are those are kind of good resume oh, builder yes. <laughs> places. And uh, I did really well there. I really enjoyed it and learned a whole bunch. And, um, you know, with my prior background cooking and, you know, then going to school and then working in New York for a bit, it was kind of, you know, fast track to, uh, you know, maybe want to do something on my own. Mm-hmm. So um, moved back to Boise and uh, we opened up a restaurant in Boise in 2000 and 2004. Okay. And what was it called? It was called Andre's. Oh, okay. And it was a kind of a contemporary French place, tweezer food, peeled peas, Art on a plate kind of thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, and uh, kind of uh, had a really fun time with that. Was um, that you were open for like five years? So we it must were. have been yeah, popular. But it was. It seems like a New York thing to Boise. It, it might have was been a little New scary. For it was, people. and it, there was there was a big learning curve initially with it because you know the whole course thing and you know a pre fee menu or a chef's tasting menu was like. Uh, this is way new for a meat yes. and potatoes crowd there. Yeah. And so we had an initial learning curve, but we eventually, um, you know, got that sorted out with people there and they kind of understood that, you know, it was a place to go and have really great food, great service yeah. and a great wine list. Yeah. And, and, and so then the wine list thing is why I'm really here okay. in Walla Walla, because during the course of the, the, the restaurant being open there, we did, you know, I don't know how many dinners, but, but quite a few. Um, dinners with uh, Walla Walla winemakers. Oh, okay. So, you know, guys like Trey Bush and Justin Wiley and, um, you know, the late Eric Dunham and uh, guys like that were some of my best friends and uh, became some of my best friends eventually. And we just did multiple dinners with these guys. And I would come over here and do dinners in Walla Walla with them. And uh, so that's kind of how that whole thing started. And then when our lease was up, um, we, uh, we had a five-year lease that we signed in 03 up in 08 and it was like, where are we, what are we going to do? And I think I, I to me, I wasn't sure mm-hmm. what I was going to do, but to guys like Trey and Justin and Eric, it was very clear what I was going to do. <laughs> and they told you. Yeah. And they told me <laughs> that I was going to move to Walla Walla and, uh, do something here. <laughs> so... Um, kind of a quick little funny story about that is, uh, so we're sitting in the restaurant after kind of, you know, those guys knew probably before everybody else did that we were moving. And I kind of looked at those guys and I was like, do you think that if a guy was to move to Walla Walla and try and build a business around catering food to the wineries? And this is 07, 08, early, before, early it was, before it was even a thing. Yeah. And all three of those guys looked at me and were like, man, that's a good idea, but wineries just kind of want to sell wine. And it's not really, you know, we're not really set up to sell food at the wineries or anything like that. And I was like, okay, great. Good to know. Good to know. So, so that's kind of how that uh, went down. And so we ended up They just wanted you to come over and open your own restaurant. Right, right. And, Mm -hmm. uh. We had we had plans to do that, but just in that whole oh seven oh eight time frame, the Sorry. economy was pretty shaky at that time. Yeah. Everywhere, I mean, oh. Boise yeah. here, 
Seattle, I'm sure. It was just, it was kind of everywhere. That's when we saw 26 bricks go down here. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah, They went down then. And so we actually kind of had an eye on a space here and had a business plan written for it. And I just kind of pulled the plug on it. I just didn't think that it was a, you know, a smart move. And so once again, my wife's like, (laughs) um okay we're in walla walla and we've moved moved. um what are you gonna do and i was like oh i got a lot of buddies that are winery buddies and it's like harvest it's like fall or early late summer and uh, i was like i'm just gonna go ask some of my guys if i can just come and help do harvest or crush yeah and uh so I went to my friend uh, Chad Johnson, who's the uh, owner winemaker, along with his uh, brother-in-law Corey at Dusted Valley, and I, I went in and said, "Hey, man, I see you guys are advertising in the paper for harvest help. Yeah. Here I am. I'm ready to do harvest help." And they kind of looked at me and they're like, "I don't know if you know this or not, but working in a winery is really hard work." I'm like. <laughs> I don't know if you know this or not, but working <laughs> in a restaurant is really hard work, and this might be like a vacation for me. Yeah. So, at least I'll be so, outside. You know, and so they, they, you know, Chad's reply back to me was, um, "Well, I guess we can take a chance on this." Wow! And so we went in and uh, ended up uh, having a pretty good partnership there for yeah. about a year and a half or so. And you eventually became the assistant winemaker. Yeah, the assistant winemaker there, and it was kind of they kind of had the best of both worlds because I was able to design wine dinners for them. Yeah. You know, on top, and then you know they put me out in the market and send me into restaurants, and you know I could look at a menu and pair wines up with yeah. all their menu, and you oh. know, so it was kind of a fun time for us. Yeah, we had a great time, and it was a really big growing period for them too. So yeah, and they, their wines are so good. oh yeah, they're doing a great job. Those guys are just knocking it out of the park now. Yeah. yeah. So how did you end up leaving there? It was. It was probably inevitable, and I think they knew that, that, mm-hmm. that I was probably going to go back to food. Yeah. And so, you know, once word got out that I was, you know, I was here, obviously, uh, we, I started getting a lot of requests to do dinners and mm-hmm. caterings, and even though I really wasn't quite set up for it, you know, yeah. but still trying to help buddies out, you know, and mm-hmm. things like that, because there wasn't any... there wasn't anything like that even then when I was here. There wasn't yeah. anybody that was serving food at wineries it wasn't happening that wasn't happening and so um uh i just kind of was trying to help help you know guys out eric dunham and trey and justin and rich funk at savaya and you know all the guys i kind of knew and uh it eventually got to the point to where i was asking for you know time off to be able to do (laughs) all this other catering stuff that it you know became a you know, an issue, you know, yeah. and then, uh, clo- uh, we, let's see, 2009, I think it was, is when we bought the food truck and, uh, that was kind of the beginning of, you know, they kind of, I, I just wanted to do something different and, uh, the food truck came and we just kind of, we still, I still do all their events and mm-hmm. we're still great friends, but they just kind of knew that it was time to, yeah. for me to go back to what I do. So, and it- Change no, maybe not change, but altered things and moved them forward as much as it helped. Oh, I did. You. I so mean, it was... you know, they had to go out and look for you know an assistant winemaker, now winemaker, and mm. you know, it kind of it was good for both of us. Mm-hmm. Really, it was oh, a really yeah. good relationship for for several years. So, 
So did you have a business plan for the food truck before you got no. the food? You just like, no. that's a plan? No. I'm, I remember when I was looking for him, I actually met Josh Henderson over in oh, yeah. uh, Seattle in 2009 and uh, looked at one of his Airstreams that he hadn't done anything with that oh. was just sitting there. And I was kind of like, yeah. I think I'm going to go another route. And so uh, that's when I met Josh and found out that he really, at that time, was operating the only food truck in Seattle. Exactly. Skillet. Yeah, Skillet. And that was it. There wasn't, you know, I mean, there was the lunch trucks and the and things like that, but he was it. That for, was a total different. Right. And so then we bought ours, and I, I'm pretty sure that we might have been the second food truck in the state. I, oh. You know, there wasn't, there was still, it was Josh and you know, maybe a couple other guys over there. And so yeah. when we got ours, I mean, it was kind of still, there wasn't a plan or a how do you do it thing. Yeah, so or, you didn't like uh, buy a truck and have them outfit it for just what you wanted? or Oh, I did. Oh, you did. Okay. I did. I designed the truck that we currently have now and uh, had it set up just for how we wanted to roll out of it. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. And what, that was 2010? Yeah, we ordered in, in 2009. It was delivered in 2010. Okay. So how long did you do that before you decided you needed to do some additional things? like you, or, or when it, just did more, your... it just morphed. Okay. I mean, because when we started with the food truck, people were really hesitant uh, to order food from a truck. Yeah. It kind of had a connotation of... You know the you know the whole roach coach thing, yeah, or the lunch truck and... that pulls onto the construction site, and it's yeah. like you know everything's pre-made. Mm-hmm. And, People may get sick, right? You might get <laughs> sick, you know. Um, so you got the one truck now, and then uh, do you have plans to have a second truck, or what's mm-hmm. the next? What's next for you? Well, N- next, I'm leading into that. Okay. So, well, the one truck, and I don't think we're going to have a second truck. We're happy with the one truck. Okay. I mean, it, it pretty much does its own events now. And okay. uh, it used to be an everyday um, thing that we were open every day, 365 days a year wow. with it. And, you know, since we moved into the gas station, the truck kind of has its own thing that it does. And it does events and private caterings and specialty lunches at wineries and mm-hmm. in certain days that it's open. And uh, just basically when it goes out, it's it's going out for an event pretty much. And okay. I mean, it starts up here in March and it'll go that way through December. Okay. And then um, when did the catering start and why the different name? That's my other question for you because it's well, Laporte Brune started as a series of underground dinners in 2008 oh. that I started here. And that was uh, that was well before the whole pop-up restaurant underground thing was going down. There was a guy in Seattle that was doing underground's uh, culinary communion, Gabe yeah. Claycamp, mm-hmm. um, that was doing those in Seattle. And uh, I was doing those here. Mm-hmm. And uh, him and I actually did a dinner together in Seattle. Oh, really? Yeah, which was kind of fun. Um, at, uh, a house out in North Bend, uh, uh, I'm trying to remember the name. She's like a sex professor for the University of Washington. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, Stephanie. Um, I don't know. She was, she's on like a couple reality shows on TV and she's written books, written and, books, yeah. the whole yeah, nine yeah. yards. Yeah. Um, but that was a fun dinner. Um, 
But uh, the name Laporte Broom means the brown door. And uh, our restaurant in Boise that we have had a big, heavy-duty, oh. solid wood brown door that you'd walk in. And so I kind of was, you know, giving a little reference to that okay. when we started that. You know, okay. So. Okay. So that's going on, and you do winery events, weddings, anything, any private? Yeah, everything and anything okay. with it. And uh, the catering just, I mean, we do everything from really all over the state. So. Okay. Wow. Okay. That's huge. Yeah, we do we do a lot of events. And then after that is when you open the co-op. Right. So and when was that? That was we're starting our fit we're starting our fifth year. Oh wow. Just right now. So um we uh we we used to park the food truck in the in the parking lot there. And um it was really busy. This is at the end of the daily lunches with the food truck. So okay. we had spent, you know, three years, two or three years getting people used to eating. And so it was, we were usually packed. And uh, so we uh, moved into the co-op on the, on almost a whim. Oh, okay. Uh, and it was, uh, and it was once again, another learning curve because it wasn't, you know, your typical gas station fare. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've been just knocking it out of the park there for the last yeah. four years. Okay. And then to sort of wrap it up, your food is all very seasonal and fresh and local. Right. We try and use local as much as we can, um, produce especially. Um, we bake all of our bread in-house. So uh, we have a, a great bread program. We smoke all of our own meats, so like uh, bacon and pastrami wow. and brisket. You do that on site? We do. We have, a, we have a smoker on site at the gas station. Wow. So while someone's waiting around for their food to come out, they're going to smell your smoker going, huh? It is. It's kind of like a calling card on that corner down oh, there. Yeah. Once they're, <laughs> when we're smoking, and uh, it, you, can, you can really smell it. kind of draws you in. Kind of like Krispy Kreme. If our light's on, we're making <laughs> right, donuts. Right. Huh? Come on in. <laughs> Gosh, so and the co-op is open daily, twenty-four like, hours a day. Oh, it's twenty-four hours. Yeah, we're wow. not open twenty-four hours oh. a day, but food's available. We have a ability to uh, have places in there where people can just grab, buy grab and go stuff, oh, which okay. we make in house and just kind of pre-wrap and package, uh-huh. and then just come in, you oh, know, okay. three a.m. And, and get food in there. Wow. That's amazing. And just so people know, this is located at seven hundred six West Rose Street in Walla Walla. What time does the truck open in the morning? Um, we open uh, for breakfast at 6 a.m., and, and then we close at 8 p.m. And that's there. the co-op. Uh, the co-op, yeah. The truck yeah. is, you kind of got to get on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram, and okay. and we let people know where and when that's open and, and kind of yeah. do it that way. But we're open seven days a week at 6 a.m. in the co-op. Wow. Gotcha. And this is, to go back to Tom's kind of original question was, this is it now for you, you're, you're, or you're thinking, no, I never say, might. I never say never. I'm one of those <laughs> guys, I never say never, and you know, I'm always looking for the next new opportunity yeah. for sure. So Okay. Yeah. Well, that's pretty exciting. It's fun stuff, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, well, thank you for having me. This has been fantastic. Great. We will be seeing you soon. Oh, that is for sure. <laughs> we'll be right back. I'm Ben Dimitri from LaCole Number 41 Winery, and you're listening to the Seattle Dining Show. Hi, I'm Scott McLean from Walla Walla, Washington. One of my favorite places to eat in Seattle is the Wild Ginger Restaurant.
I'm Connie Adams, and we're back with the Seattle Dining Show. And we have Bill Von Metzger with us today from Walla Walla Vintners. Thanks for joining us, Bill. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I wanted to go back a little bit and learn more about Walla Walla Vintners. It was started by Gordy Ven- is it? Veneri. Veneri and Miles Anderson. Mm-hmm. And what was their original concept? What, why did they want to start it? What were they going to do? What they did was um, they were home winemakers for a number of years. They okay. had a small group of friends, and they all made wine together um, in Miles's basement predominantly. And they they practiced that for about 15 years before they ever went commercial and, and wow. kind of gained a lot of knowledge, had some triumphs, some failures, some learning experiences, let's call it that, mm-hmm. and really had fun with it. And just kind of in 1995, when the winery was first bonded, was kind of right on the on the cutting edge, of right in the cusp of, of the beginning of the Walla Walla wine industry, despite the fact that Leonetti had been around right. for 20 years prior. But um, they were so early. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Um, and, you know, Gary Figgins was uh, a bit of a mentor and a bit of a friend, and, and they shared information with Marty Club and Rick Small yeah. and, and all of those guys. They they got together kind of as a group and, and shared a lot of information and knowledge and mm-hmm. experiences. And so it was a lot of fun to see the early days of the Walla Walla wine industry. Uh, Walla Walla Vintners was the eighth bonded winery in the Walla Walla Valley. Wow. Wow. So, you know, and, and 21 years later now, there's 130 uh, or more, depending on on uh, on the numbers that you use. Yeah. So. That's amazing, isn't it, to be so early on? Yeah, and a... to think that it was only 20 years ago that it, it, it really happened, and to see what the industry's become, it's an awful oh. lot of fun to be a part of. Oh, I'll bet. How long have you been in the Valley? I have been in Walla Walla now for uh, 13, almost 14 years. Yeah. And how long with Walla Walla Vintners? Almost 14 years. Okay. <laughs> now, did you come here t- for that job, or did you? how did you find this group? I came to Walla Walla in 2002 for the wine program at the community college. Oh, okay. Miles was the director of the program, um, and Stan Clark was the the primary instructor there. And when I went to school, I did an internship up at Walla Walla Vintners that first harvest in 2002. And afterwards, I was put on the payroll and have been there ever since never left <laughs> it's an interesting thing as we talk to people in the industry here that happens with a lot of people they're really mm-hmm. happy where they are and they don't change companies they don't leave walla walla it's a it's a really nice thing i moved to walla walla not necessarily intending to stay not uh not really knowing quite what i was going to do mm-hmm. all of my family is from colorado and oh, i okay. had thought to explore options back there because they have a a, a fairly small uh, but growing wine industry oh, okay. in Colorado as well. Wow. Uh, and so that was kind of one of the thoughts in my head. The other thought was staying somewhere here in the in the Northwest. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I enjoy I enjoy going down to Oregon and, and tasting Pinot uh, just because it's it's not something that I see 
on a day-to-day basis. Exactly. And so, you know, I, it, when I moved here, I didn't really have a, a long-term plan. Mm-hmm. So it, it just, just kind of developed as yeah. as uh, as I got here. Yeah. So. So kind of go down and shock your palate a little bit, huh? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> just keep my uh, keep myself fresh. Now, Walla Walla Vintners does limited production reds. Is that correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and was that the that was their original focus when oh, they absolutely. started? Yeah, and... we have uh, we've never made a commercial white wine. Oh, okay. So. Um, you know, and that was that was a a, a philosophy and a, and a decision that Gordy and Miles made um, in the very beginning, along with their original third partner who uh, who left the company very early on. Oh, okay. So, okay. Um, but they were in agreement about that, obviously, yeah. mm-hmm. all three of them. So, how much? When we say limited production, what does that equate to? Um. We have a couple of wines that the winery is actually growing, so okay. uh, you know we're we're growing to uh, accommodate some of the demand for some of our wines. Mm-hmm. Our our Cabernet Franc and our Sangiovese are two of our most popular wines, okay. and the two kind of most sought after wines. And those numbers are up to about a thousand cases apiece. Wow. Um, from, you know, from about the 750 range. Um, most of our wines or a a fair number of our wines are in the two to 300 case per year range. So, and where does that go? Is it, do you have a wine club that it primarily goes to, or does it go straight to restaurants and real retail shops? We, uh, we sell the majority of our wines right out of our tasting room. Okay. Uh, we do have distribution, uh, we self-distribute here on the east side of the state. We have a distributor in uh, on the west side. We have a distributor in Oregon and California, okay. um, Idaho and Montana, and then a few others scattered about the country. But uh, and they do an awful lot of business for us, and that their demand for wine or their requests for wine is <laughs> is, is growing. Okay, and so um, we have a wine club that. Oh, uh, we started about three years ago. That was about uh, is about oh two hundred and fifty members oh, wow. when we first started, and we are um, we're up over nine hundred now. Wow! Uh, so obviously, there that demand is <laughs> that demand is increasing <laughs> as well. So um, you know, we're kind of we're growing the winery slowly um, and in a way that we can that we can kind of assure ourselves and assure our customers that, that we're doing it the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, our Cabernet Franc, for example, we were fortunate enough to have a couple of the vineyards that we source fruit from mm-hmm. have more rows open up in the blocks that we're already buying fruit oh, from. Oh, nice. And so the fruit quality is going to be just the same. So we're not... We're That's not, huge. We're not buying lesser fruit or mm-hmm. or, or something. something that's different yeah and we have we have expanded into blocks that we've not used before but we've tasted through we've talked to the growers we've mm-hmm. we've done our due diligence to make sure that that the quality is going to be there mm-hmm. and that people are always going to be happy when they when they open our products so. mm-hmm. do you have any estate vineyards or is it all 
vineyards that that you buy from but you are involved in the management of we um we have uh we have a, a little over 11 acres planted and that mm. accounts for oh give or take about a quarter of our total production so we have uh, uh we have the estate that and then uh we contract from commercial growers in in the walla Wall valley and then a number of them throughout the columbia valley oh okay okay and what are the wines you're making? What are the reds you're making right now? Um, there's quite a long list, but I'll I'll hit the highlights because <laughs> I counted them up the other day. We did, uh, God, we did twenty three or twenty four separate labels. Wow! Uh, just kind of a few little one off projects and mm-hmm. some custom blends that we make for some people, and so. But the majority is our kind of five the big five the, okay. the ones that that make up the lion's share of our production are the sangiovese the cabernet franc the merlot the cuvee which is our red table wine it's a okay. uh, it's a bordeaux style blend uh merlot and cab based okay and then uh a cabernet sauvignon okay and the the kind of one-offs are just really available at the tasting room a little or, bit, or um, if you've made them for someone. Yeah, we have we have a Syrah, we have Malbec, uh, we have uh, Dolcetto, a fun little Italian bridal. Oh yeah. Um, we have a, a Bellarosa, which is our uh, it's a Cab Sangio blend, it's our kind of uh, New World version of a of a Super Tuscan. Okay. So, um, you know, and. Let's see here. Every if we have the quality and quantity, we do a petit verdot. Oh yeah. Um, we do a couple of different cabernets. We have a uh, the Sagemore Bacchus Vineyard, located north of Pasco. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a Sagemore designated cab uh, from those vines, which okay. were originally planted in 1972. Wow. Um, so it's our. It's our again new world version of an old world old vine cab. Yeah. So, I bet that's interesting. It's it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to uh, compare and contrast uh, the stylistically and just the flavor profiles of the Walla Walla Valley and and then the Sagemore fruit. Mm-hmm. So, that's, oh wow. Now that you you do sustainable, you you purchase sustainably grown grapes. I saw that on the website. I think is that yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's part of the your basic mm-hmm. concept too. Yeah, we are um Absolutely, we are uh, we are concerned with kind of leaving the soil in in kind of better shape than we find it. Oh, okay. We're not uh we're not quite as strict and adamant as, as some other people that mm-hmm. I've seen, but um we're not we're obviously not biodynamic or oh, yeah. organic or, or we haven't kind of gone to that extreme. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but we are always looking for ways to find that happy balance between making good wine, getting the crops that we want to grow, mm-hmm. um, and being able to leave as, as little impact as we can on the environment. So. Mm-hmm. Are you planning to um, purchase more acreage or are you as you grow or or probably still just 
contract for grapes? We've had some internal discussions, kind of of both, and okay. we haven't really made any big decisions. Any about. decisions about it yet? We're kind of at that point where we've we've had a, a, a good, fairly short period of growth over the last couple of seasons, mm-hmm. and so now we're like, okay, we're almost caught up, and we're gonna just kind of uh, hold our ground here for a yeah. little while, and 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 see where it's going to take yeah. us and see what we need to do next. Yeah. Meet the demand and then yeah. see if there's more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are, do you have any plans for any other fun things that you haven't done before? Or are you going to repeat some of the one-offs that you've done? Oh, absolutely. We've got, um, we've got a little bit of uh, Carmen Air bottled as a varietal mm. that, um, we just bottled, and so we're holding on to before we release it, and okay. that we've never done before. We've got a little bit of Barbera, um, and then we've started working with uh, a little bit of of Red Mountain fruit, uh, some Cab, and okay. and actually that's where the Carmenere comes from. Oh, okay. And so we're expanding kind of among different AVAs. Um, and some different varietals. I mean, Carmenere we've used for a long time as a blending varietal, yeah. but uh, we've never bottled up a straight Carmenere and, until oh, this one. Fun. So, so that's going to be a lot of fun when it it comes out. Yeah. And, when will that be released? Um, we're not sure yet. We're oh, still okay. talking about that. We're still kind of figuring out what we're going to do. Are we going to sell it as a tasting room wine? Mm-hmm. Are we going to sell it to our ta- our wine club? Um, so it's kind of one of those things that we've got to figure out where it's going to fit best. Yeah. How many cases do you have? Um, only about 75. Oh, okay. So. Yeah. You can't make everyone happy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How do you do your bottling? You have a, a semi come up with the bottling on it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Signature out of Portland okay. does our bottling for us and they do, and they bottle for a number of people here mm-hmm. in the Valley and it is, uh, it makes our life a lot easier that we don't have to purchase and maintain a fairly extensive and expensive exactly. uh, yeah. group of equipment. And, and so, so what's the total output from the winery now? We are probably getting close to, uh, we're about 7,500, 8,000 cases. Okay. So that's a, that's a couple of days with the semi up there, right? Or do um, you do it all at once or...? We do. We break our bottling up into three uh, separate bottlings. Uh, we okay. just did one um, a couple of weeks ago where we did uh, thirty-three hundred cases over a couple of days. Mm-hmm. Um, we have another one uh, bottling typically in May, and then another one in August, right before harvest. Okay. So okay. clear the floors for all the yeah. grapes mm-hmm. coming in. <laughs> Empty out a few barrels so we can uh, use them again. Exactly. I've been hearing a lot about Barbera lately. It's not a new grape. Is it suddenly taken on a new popularity? Or I think, um, yeah, I think that people are doing a lot of, of the same things that we're doing. Is that we're exploring mm-hmm. varietals that, that they haven't worked with before. And, you know, that's, that's something that, that makes my job really fun is yeah. that being able to to get my hands dirty with with something a little bit different mm-hmm. and just to to explore that and there 
is a there is kind of a, a, a new interest in Italian bridles, kind of mm. on the whole. And, um, you know, Dolcetto has become popular with us. Uh, there's Barbera and there's, there's always been Sangiovese. Mm-hmm. But, um, and so I think they're just kind of having the spotlight shined on them for the time being. And mm-hmm. if you look, I mean, Syrah has had its, its moments. Malbec has had its moments. And now, some of the Italian bridles are getting are getting their moment to shine, and yeah. so it's kind of we're we're still in our infancy as far as the wine industry goes, and mm-hmm. we're still trying to learn, um, you know, what's going to work in as far as growing conditions for certain areas within the Walla Walla Valley, within the state of Washington. Um, you know what what grape variety is suited to what site mm-hmm. and we're kind of exploring a lot more options and 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 really not being taking away some, kind of some of the limiting factors that we've had and, and being able to explore the entire world of wine um instead of just saying okay well we are strictly bordeaux focused mm-hmm. or we are strictly this or that mm-hmm. or the other thing makes it so interesting doesn't it it changes your job oh, all the time yeah yeah well, Bill, thank you so much for being with us today. We really appreciate it. You bet. Anytime. All right. And we will be right back in just a few minutes. I'm Corey Nagler from the Maple Counter Cafe, and you're listening to the Seattle Dining Show. Hi, I'm Jake Crenshaw from Walla Walla, Washington, and one of my favorite places to eat is Saffron Mediterranean Kitchen. Connie Adams with the Seattle Dining Show. Welcome back. Today we are here with Jake Crenshaw from the Olive Marketplace and Cafe in downtown Walla Walla. Jake, thanks for being with us. Yeah, thank you. Absolutely. I wanted to go back and get a little history on you and your wife, Tabitha, who own the restaurant. You are actually from Colorado and ended up in Seattle. And is she from Seattle originally? Montana originally, uh, Seattle for most of her life, though. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. And then you met because you were both in the industry. What were you both doing and what led to this? Uh, You know, I was at Braza. um, I was a sous chef at the time, and she was one of the servers. And it just kind of, things happened. I went from there. (laughs) That's what happens in the industry. There you go. (laughs) But it's lasted. Yes. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've, before I ever met you, I knew I liked you because Brasso was one of my absolute favorite restaurants. Yeah, yeah, we all had a great time there. It was wonderful. So what what made you come to Walla Walla? Tell us that story. You know, my wife really wanted to go to the Enology and Viticulture program out here and get into winemaking. Wine has always been something that I've been interested in, and it, it seemed like a good fit. Mm-hmm. So nice small town, good restaurants, uh, mm-hmm. great restaurant scene for the size of town that it is. So. so you really came so she could go to school. What were you planning to do when you came? Uh, you know, originally I didn't really know. I, I thought I'd see what what kind of job opportunities there were. I thought I might uh, go to the program myself. I wasn't really sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so how did life, you... Life happened. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so how did, how did you find or how did the space find you? Well, you know, I started working um, 
at a, another restaurant here in town called uh, T Macaroni's. Oh yeah, and we, um, you know, it worked out great. We had a, a good. Uh, we actually got into business together, had a business relationship for a while, and ended up opening all of Marketplace together. Oh, okay. And then, uh, lo and behold, a few years down the road, it, it didn't quite work out as a partnership. Okay. But uh, Olive still strives and, and is doing great. And yeah. And you, it, the space was the former merchants, and that was kind of a deli, kind of a bakery? Yeah, yeah, bakery, deli. They did uh, they did some soups, sandwiches, okay. that sort of thing. So when you took it over, you, you had said to me that, you wanted to do something similar and use the space in a similar way, but do it a little differently too. So what were you looking at changing? What did you put into Olive? You know, I, personally, I really wanted to make it um, the type of food that reflects what what I believe in, and that's everything made from scratch, fresh, um, local ingredients, just the best, the best product that we could, mm-hmm. trying to keep it at a price point that made sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and keep it accessible, and it's still a very casual counter service yeah. restaurant. So, doing the best that we could with with within that structure. Mm-hmm. Um, the restaurant itself had some great bones for um, handmade pizzas and some other really great stuff. So, it all kind of came together. Yeah, and it is very family friendly. And and I know that on the website it talks about uh, trying to be a a gathering place, and it does. Sure. Uh, the layout to me really works for that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, it, it it tends to be a kind of a central spot in town where people mm-hmm. can come. Like you said, it's very family friendly, uh, and it it's just a nice place that people can meet and mm-hmm. have a cup of coffee for a couple hours or have a great dining experience. Mm-hmm. And then, um, how did the marketplace fit in there? Did you start with the marketplace, or just start with the the deli and the pizzas and? started with the marketplace and it's kind of evolved and grown and shrunk and changed throughout the years uh, but it's definitely a large part of it a lot of it is um, just trying to bring some of the products that we have access to in the valley to um, to consumers okay. for instance we'll buy a lot of uh, forage mushrooms when they're mm. in season and then we can offer those oh, or fresh nice. figs that aren't necessarily available at grocery stores mm-hmm. just Kind of some of the great stuff that you see in the culinary world that you don't necessarily get access to in the in the markets that we have here in town. Yeah, that's different too. Mm-hmm. I think that people would appreciate that. Mm-hmm. I think you said too you make some spreads and mm-hmm. th- and olives and things like that that you sell. Yeah, yeah, and uh, we try to focus a lot of the market on stuff that can be easily grabbed and taken out on a wine tasting excursion oh, or something okay. that could be easily taken on a picnic. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that people could swing by, grab a bottle. You sell retail? Absolutely. Yeah. And then grab a few things to eat, some bread and yep. and spreads and head out. And you do cheese and, and salami. And, do you do other meats as well? A uh, couple different types of salamis, uh, some different cured meats, and uh, quite a bit of imported cheeses. Okay. I noticed in the cooler last night you have, you know, like some whole ham Mm-hmm. Hams and stuff like that. I'm assuming you use those to make sandwiches and things. Can people also buy that by the slice or pound or something? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Okay. And then you decided just, you know, you weren't busy enough because you only have two kids, now three, mm-hmm. uh, that you may as well add a full catering company to things. Absolutely. So what, when did Olive open and when did you add the catering? We opened Olive in 2010. The catering has always been a part of it, but it's really... It's really grown and expanded in the last two years, oh, okay. um, and we're we're at a point where we, we we have a great product, 
think people know us for the catering that we do, and uh, we have a lot of fun with it. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely one of the central parts of the business at this point. Oh, okay. Now, do you have uh, a vehicle that you take out, or do you do the food at the restaurant and then put it in? in uh, we we have a no. We have a food truck that we take out, and so that it's, uh, it's kind of like a taco truck, I guess you say, but it's something that gives us the ability to cook everything on site. So oh, okay. it has a full commit. A full commercial kitchen on it. Nicer than some kitchens that I've worked at in little restaurants. <laughs> yeah, I believe but, uh, that. <laughs> you know, it, it lets us to cook everything on site in a controlled environment and uh, really, really make the best events that we can. And we can do anything from, you know, the five-course tasting menu for 300 people to appetizers for 20. So. Oh, that's fabulous. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like you say, you can control it. So that's, that's really, if it's your special day. You want to know that the food that's going to be there is, you know, uh, it's the best it's going to be. So um, we talked about, um, let's see, we talked about Tabitha's background and mm-hmm. in, in her interest in wine. And it's not going to happen now from what you're telling me, but mm-hmm. you, when you purchased your property, you had something in mind for that. Yeah, you know, long, long-term goals, we'd love to um, start a small vineyard and do a little bit of production up there and, and do a small boutique winery. Yeah. So. And you would just make from your own grapes, or would you buy, or would it just depend on demand? Pro- and- probably a mix, yeah. um, but definitely de- de- depend on demand. Yeah. I don't. We, we're not going to look at it as a huge money-making venture, but as a, a, a fun thing to do to have some creative outlet, mm-hmm. make some great wine, and provide something. Yeah, and it dovetails with your business, too. You can absolutely. sell some, a few bottles in the marketplace. And, yep, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to go back to uh, the location again, or the, the insides of the restaurant, and we were talking about it being family-friendly, a place to hang out. But you've got – it's interesting to me because on the main floor, there's a little raised place mm-hmm. where there's tables, and then there's on the main floor – and then there's tables on kind of a mezzanine upstairs, but you've also got kind of a loungy area not mm-hmm. not an alcohol loungy area, but a sure. hangout lounge. Yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of mix of tables and couches, and you know we want it to be a very comfortable and casual place. Mm-hmm. You know, not, uh, not no service. It's counter service style, so you you order at the counter, and we'll bring the food out to mm-hmm. you. We try to make it as as easy as possible. We'll come back around and take an order for drinks, mm-hmm. but. Um, but real casual. And along with yourself, you have a chef, Jose. Absolutely. Uh, and then you've got a pastry chef. So tell us about them. Uh, Jose Meza and Sarah German. They have been um, they've been with me since before all of they started with me back at T Macaroni's. Oh, wow. So got almost eight years now. A long, long time. So uh, they're they're awesome. Uh, Sarah German went to the French Culinary Academy. Great pastry chef. She's been. Uh, kind of the heart and soul of all of she does all the breads pastries mm-hmm. she does just about everything there in the bakery world and has uh, added a whole lot to the whole business oh, yeah and uh, the historians of walla walla want to know is sarah german related to jim german <laughs> no not at all uh <laughs> they they do share a last name but it's a coincidence okay <laughs> and we we do get that sometimes um, and then uh, Jose Meza, uh, chef, he uh, he takes care of everything, runs the world. Right now, he <laughs> makes the menu. He does he does really everything. He's a great guy, really hands on, uh, great palate. He really understands uh, the type of food that we're doing and 
you know, he's he's got a very uh, large and and loved following. So oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. And you do um, along with baking your breads in house. You do a lot of house made ingredients. So that's probably his part absolutely. of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Another thing you've done is you've got a signature locally roasted coffee from Walla Walla Roastery that yeah. you have that's just that's just yours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Walla Walla Roastery is great. They're um, they're just a, a great company to work with. They do all their own coffee. They roast it. They've got a great philosophy on it. And you know when we opened, they offered to do a, a private label for us, and it's been it's been great. It's yeah. a it's a delicious coffee. I think everybody enjoys it. And it's just you know it's kind of special when you think, oh, I love that coffee. Got to go to Olive. Yep, exactly. To get that. Um, the last thing I wanted to talk about was that um, you have a new restaurant concept going on. I do, I do. Um, it's uh, hopefully coming up in the next, uh, the next, uh, we're planning to open mid-April. Um, the working name right now is the Oxen Cart. I'm 98% sure that's going to be what it's called. <laughs> May stay. <laughs> uh, but um, the whole concept of the restaurant is going to be... Um, kind of a, uh, an upscale dinner restaurant that's really focusing on some of the great food that we have here in the Walla Walla Valley. We've got a lot of farmers that just do some awesome product during the summer. We've got a lot of ranchers that have some really good meat. You know, we work really closely with Upper Dry Creek Ranch and Losting Cattle Company and Frog Hollow Farms and Martinez oh, okay. Gardens. And a lot of these people, they just grow um, just some really awesome product. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to really showcase that. And, and, kind of showcase some of the town's history and some of the town's um, kind of proclivity for wine and what we have in the wine industry. So it's going to be kind of a, I guess, a showcase for Walla Walla, mm-hmm. what we have. So, um, Will you do special wine dinners as well and, and partner with the local wineries? or? Yeah, uh, we'll, I'm sure we'll, we'll have some aspect of it like that. We actually do we do two dinner series with our catering um, company right now, one in the wintertime called... Uh, Right now it's dinners on the edge of town, and, and last year it was dinners downtown. And then uh, feast in the fields is a big summer one. Uh-huh. And of those dinners, we pair with um, we pair with wineries and and sometimes farms um, in different locations, and then do a five to five to seven course meal out in the middle of a field. Somewhere. Oh, that's fun! So and th- those are really fun, and the same kind of style of thing. I'm sure we'll end up doing mm-hmm. at Oxencart. So kind of a fun way to show off some of the wine and some of the other foods as well. Mm-hmm. How would people find out about those types of events? Do you always put it on your website so they know? Yeah, we have a website. We have a, a pretty large uh, email marketing campaign right now and social media, okay. uh, Facebook, Twitter. So people can find out. Absolutely. Because they, they're going to hear this and think, I want to go to that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there was a write-up on one of our Feast in the Fields dinners yeah, I don't remember who yeah. it was, though, so that's not going to be very <laughs> it's, helpful. It's not helpful. <laughs> but you can search it out, Feast in the yeah. Field, and it will come up on Google or Bing. There you go. <laughs> um, my last question, I think I said that a moment ago, but I want to know where you got Oxen Card. What is that? What's the meaning for you in that name? Well, part of the part of the concept is going to be local, um, like local local foods, somewhat of a steakhouse feel, mm-hmm. kind of a dark taverny feel to it. Um, and the, you know the name just kind of stuck. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a few others that we've tossed around, but this one keeps kind of rising to the top. Sounds right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Anything else we should know? Anything else coming up? Uh, I don't think so. You know, I think that's 
it's uh, enough on the plate right now. <laughs> yeah, especially with that five-week-old baby. That's true. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being with us today, Jake. Oh, thank you. You bet. We will be right back. Hi, this is John Blair from Dunham Cellars, and you're listening to the Seattle Dining Show. Hi, I'm Hillary from Walla Walla, and my favorite restaurant is Brasserie 4. Welcome back. I'm Connie Adams. And again, as Tom mentioned at the end of the first part of our special Walla Walla edition, it's really been fun to sit here and listen to the interviews and and be reminded of what a great time we had when we were in Walla Walla. And we want to thank everyone of those people who took the time to talk to us, sit down with us, show us things, share their business with us and their passion. We really appreciate it. I agree. I wholeheartedly agree. And I also want to thank the people that visit Walla Walla one more time. Yes. Which is wallawalla.org. <laughs> but uh, now, this is the fun part. We're going to share with you uh, three perfect days in Walla Walla. But you're going to hear my version and you're going to hear Connie's version. And it's going to be fun to see what we came up with because, as I mentioned earlier, uh, we don't know what the other one wrote down. So, uh, Connie, why don't you tell us about your. Three perfect days, and let's keep in mind the first day is the travel day in, mm-hmm. and then you've got two more days there. And, you know, the fourth day we don't have it because you just get some breakfast and get out of town and go home. you got to get back to work. <laughs> well, that's how Tom feels. I would just stay there another week, but that's okay. <laughs> um, my day one, of course, you're traveling. I'm going to assume that we're going to stay at the Marcus Whitman Hotel. We're going to get in there in the mid-afternoon. Uh, it's nice to get up into the room and settle in, get you know, if you're going to stay there for three days, let's put your clothes away, really get settled in. This is my compulsiveness talking. Be ready for everything. And then, because you've driven a long way, and the thing to do is just Oh, well, to you go- also got to set up the chair. Remember what we did when we oh, stayed? Yes. We took that... that uh- uh, office chair. Off, well, yeah, we took the office chair. chair. The one office chair, we pulled it away from the desk, and we grabbed the chair at the foot of the bed, which is a long... It's a bench. A bench. And we moved that up to the desk, and we were able to both work at the desk at the same time. <laughs> so you got to have time to do that. Well, of course, in the three perfect days, you wouldn't be working, but we were. Um, but then what you want to do is go down to the first floor, and off the lobby, there are several wine tasting rooms. So for your first night in Walla Walla, you're, you're there mid-afternoon, get settled in, go down, do some wine tasting in the hotel, and then slip right in to the either the Mark for dinner or the Vineyard, the lounge there for dinner. Uh-huh. And you could do either one. The Vineyard's going to be much more casual. You could sit at the bar or go back and sit on couches or at tables. And at the Mark, it's, it's very casual still inside, but the food is a much higher level, and either way, you're going to get some great food. Yeah, so just to make that clear, there are separate menus in each room. Yes, yes. One is more, say, bar style, mm-hmm. upscale Burgers bar and, style, Yeah, and then uh, obviously the fine dining in the yeah. restaurant. And I noticed when we were there in the lounge one day, somebody was having some coffee, and of course it was French press, and you know, it's very nice in the lounge anyway. It's not yeah. a cup of decaf, you know. And then you can go right back to your room and sleep soundly to get ready for day two. 
Now, at the Marcus Whitman, they have what they call a hot and healthy breakfast, and it's a buffet, and you sit in the Mark dining room and just go get your own food through the buffet line, and it's really quite good. And it's included with your overnight stay. Exactly. So you want to take advantage of that. So you do that, and then I would say for the morning, plan one tasting, and I think I would head out to Walla Walla Vintners because you're going out a ways, you're seeing some countryside, you can really get a feel for the surrounding area and where the vineyards are, and then try some of their wine. Maybe uh, Bill's around and he can take you out for a little vineyard walk. or um, It's a nice place. And then um, for lunch, I would head out, and this is where my uh, problems occur. I could be in a completely different part of the countryside here. But <laughs> I would go to Waitsburg and either eat at whoop em up or the Thai place. Now, whoop em up may be dinner only now that I'm thinking of it. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'd have to check yeah. that. But, uh, but you are in the right direction. You're out on the east side of Walla Walla at that okay. point when you're at Walla Walla Vintners, yeah. and you just keep rolling east and north up to Waitsburg. And help me remember what the name of that place was. It was like May and it is, it is a Thai place, and I can't recall the name. It's very light and pretty inside, and the food's good. And then I would do two, two tastings off in another direction. I would go to Lake Cole and Woodward Canyon, which are next door to each other. Um, and they're uh, both wonderful places. If you can get a little tour of Lake Cole, they can take you down and show you. the. There's still a mural down there, as you heard in the uh, podcast, I believe, in the interview, um, from the last class that was in the school. Oh, yeah. Which wasn't that long ago. It was the 70s. Is that, is that, well, that's just something you probably have to ask them if you could go down and see. Yeah, it's open, I Because I bet that door's locked. Yeah, I don't know if it's locked or not. But that's, anyway, there's, it's a, it's a fun place to look around. (laughs) And uh, actually, Lake Cole, it's, I think the tasting room has moved out of that front little house. But that house used to be the schoolmaster's residents. So they're tied together. Well, that little house is down on the Woodward Canyon right. property. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So that's why I would do those two. And then I would head back into town and I would have dinner that night at Brasserie 4. And here is my theory. It's good. It's French. And you've just from, come from Le Cole. Yeah. So it's your French afternoon So you have a French dinner. theme. Exactly. For the afternoon yeah. and evening. Then a nice, uh, you know, if you are staying at the Marcus Whitman Hotel, I would probably go back and have a cocktail in the in the vineyard, and then go to bed again, getting ready for my perfect day three. Day three, I would walk down to the lovely Senex gas station and go in and have breakfast at Andre's Kitchen. Then I would head up into town to the Olive Marketplace and Cafe and put together a lunch for myself. Oh, that's a good idea. Um, you can get sandwiches. You could just get meats and cheese. You get a little dessert. You get bread. That's right, because they have that cheese. whole deli case yes. of the charcuterie in it. And you can get your, um, if you want a beverage or just some, some bottled water would be a great idea. And then I would head out to the airport wineries. Mm-hmm. And you can do things like um, Beauty is out there and Dowsett Family Winery. There's a ton out there. There's also the... Uh, uh, what am I trying to say? The name of the oh, where the the incubators, the incubators. Thank yeah. you. Are so there's new stuff there, and in the incubators now there's a distillery and a brewery. So people don't know what the incubator is, or well, let's assume they don't. Okay. So there's a there's an area out there, five different buildings. It's called the incubator, and what it is is if you're if you're a new winery or now a distillery and mm-hmm. a brewery, <clears throat> you can get one of those spaces to work in 
for a period of time. You're limited to how long you can actually rent the place. Mm-hmm. It's several years, and then it's you have to you have to move on. You have to get kicked out of the nest. You have to be successful and go get your own place. So even if you've been to Walla Walla three years ago or five years ago, and you went to the incubator area, it's different. It's mm-hmm. all different people all the time. Exactly. So then um, I would find either around that area or on the way south, I would find a little spot for a picnic and have my lunch. And then I would go south of uh, that area to Basil Cellars, which is just a beautiful, beautiful setup. It's on the top of the hill. You're overlooking everything. They have a lot of weddings there. The tasting room's fun. And also Abeja is down there. And, and Abeja is a place you can actually, I believe, still rent an overnight accommodation there, good wine. So that's a really fun thing to do. And then I would head back into town for dinner downtown. And I'm thinking there's so many good options, but I would say maybe saffron and just do the tapas. I -hmm. like to have a bunch of different flavors and a different texture. So I think saffron does a good job of that. I would go soundly to sleep again. And even though we're not talking about day four, I would go to Maple Counter Cafe before heading out of town. Okay. So um, one of the things that I think about when we're talking about Walla Walla and, and, you know, we're here in Seattle and all these tasting rooms have popped up over in Woodenville. Mm-hmm. And now we're seeing them start to pop up in the Soto District. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what? That isn't wine tasting the way we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. We're talking about traveling around, seeing things, learning agriculture. Mm-hmm. Experiencing the whole idea of growing grapes and, and making it and- and and being in the regions where the grapes are grown. Mm-hmm. So it's fine if you want to go out one afternoon and go to Woodenville, but don't tell all your friends you went and did the real wine tasting deal. You haven't done it yet. You've got to go to Walla Walla or one of the other wine regions in the state. So, uh, okay, so my day three. Now, one of the things I like to you do when start I, with day three? Oh, I'm sorry. My three days in Walla Walla. <laughs> I had to be sure. Uh, one of the things I like to do uh, when I go out on these car tours is tour in a car. Yes. So um, I would – Probably find as many back roads as I could between Seattle and Washington or uh, Walla Walla and and uh, take the long way out. Very, very fun. And I would book my overnight at the Walla Faces. Oh, yes. Downtown. Uh, so they have, I think it's two or three units up there that you can rent. Oh, I think it's more than that. More? I think it's okay. four to six, maybe six. Okay. And these are kind of little uh, apartment style They were places. apartments they, at one time. Yeah. They have full kitchens in them, one or two bedrooms and a, and a living area and a, a dining area. Place. So uh, if you were going to go out with friends, maybe you rent, you know, one between the four of you or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, you'd have a nice place to stay. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, and then, uh, you know, at that point I'm pretty burned out and, uh, I'm just going to walk down the street and have dinner at Saffron mm-hmm. and I'm probably going to do the paella cause I love paella mm-hmm. and they make a good one there. Uh, and then I get up in the morning and I can walk down the street from the wall of faces. Um, uh, I don't know what you call it, apartments, but it's a, it's a, well, it's like a motel. Yeah. It's just a it's got the Except there's kitchen. nobody in there working. You just you yeah. get your key in the mailbox or whatever. No, no, you get a code. A code. Okay, that's right. And then you put the code in. So uh, I'm going to go down to the Olive Market and have breakfast there because they're doing three meals a day. And they're convenient 
and so uh, I got I, you know I get my coffee and my pastry or whatever I decide I'm going to have. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I'm going to head out west. I'm going to go to two wineries, and they're the same ones you picked. Oh, uh, La Cole and Woodward Canyon. There you go. And uh, that's you know there's got some great reds at Woodward Canyon, and they, they just got oh good wine it's in good two wine. places. You you could just park your car in the La Cole parking lot and walk down. Yeah. 100, 200 feet to the Woodward Canyon tasting room. Uh, after that, I'm going to jump in a car and head north up into the wheat fields mm. and uh, do my little drive through there. Yes. There's always interesting stuff uh, depending on the time of year. You want to be watching out for deer up in there. But then uh, I'll wind my way back into Walla Walla and go to lunch at the maple counter. Oh, yeah. Where the portions are large. Enormous. If you don't like to eat an enormous meal, maybe you might think about splitting a dish with the person you're with mm-hmm. or getting some smaller items. But uh, if you order some of the entrees, they are big. And, you know, that's something to seriously consider because we're, we hate to waste. But when you're on a trip like this and you're going to do three meals a day, you don't want to probably have the entire portion. So splitting is a great idea. Yeah. And you're going to be eating a lot. Yeah. So then uh, after lunch, I'm heading out west, or east up to the airport, mm-hmm. and I'm going to go to Dunham Cellars oh, yeah. and do a tasting a there. Favorite. And uh, the thing at the airport is you're not in the vineyards. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we haven't really gone into the vineyards yet, but we've been to three wineries already. Mm-hmm. So it's time to go into the vineyards. So when I get done at Dunham, I'm going to drive down the hill, cross over the road, and make my way up to Walla Walla Vintners and uh, do a tasting with them there and request that I could get a little uh, tour out in the vineyard. And one of the things about the vineyard there is their vineyard is right next door to the Dunham vineyard. Mm-hmm. So you're seeing a lot of different uh, type of grape growing going on, and you can see how they're pruning depending on the time of year or what they're doing, you mm-hmm. know. But uh, um, And it's beautiful up there. You're up above the valley. You don't actually see the city down below, but you do see the expanse of the valley. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then uh, I'm going to go back and take a nap. And then for dinner, I'm going to go sort of east of town, so east, I don't know, south or east, to uh, Trattoria Calea. 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 Yeah, C-O. Yeah. And um, there was a little restaurant in there years ago called the Creekside Cafe. Creektown Cafe. Creektown Cafe. I love love that that. place. Mm. But uh, they have a nice patio outside. They've got, uh, it looks like a pretty good spread of Italian food in there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually still a lot the same in the on the inside as it mm-hmm. was when it was Creektown. But uh, especially if it's summer, it's really nice to sit out on that patio. And and it even is. in October, I mean, we sat out there at the end of October one year. Uh-huh. And I think, is there a fire pit or am I making that up? There's maybe just heaters, warmers. Yeah, yeah. there are. Yeah. Well, when I looked there last time when yeah. we were there, so yeah. yeah. For sure. Yeah, so even if it is a little cool, it would still be pleasant out there. And then uh, in the evening, I could either go get a a little cocktail over at the vineyard in the Mark, or there are other wine tasting rooms that have little lounges in them, Mm -hmm. and some of them are like upstairs above the tasting area. And this changes all the time, so I'm not going to name names yes. here. But um, that's, a, that's a nice thing to do, too, if you're looking for a little after-dinner drink somewhere. Just hit one of the tasting rooms that's open with the yeah. lounge. 
uh, for the third day, <laughs> I am going to get up and have breakfast down at Andre's. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe I'll find his truck. Maybe his truck will be open. Yeah. And then from there, I'm going to head uh, out to the south of town uh, to Basil Cellars and do a tasting up there. And as Connie said, it's just a beautiful area when you drive up. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to continue working my way around south of Walla Walla and go to the Dusted Valley oh, yeah. uh, tasting Another room. favorite. And they have both their Dusted Valley label there as well as their Boomtown label. So you can taste a lot of different stuff in one place. I haven't been there in a while. I know the last time we were there, it was like in the downstairs of a house with a sliding glass door and all that. But I'm, well, I'm sure they must have. You, it, it, it was a, a living space for a family, but they rent it all out now. And they've got a slide that goes into a pool. Oh. And you don't see that when you pull up into it and go to the tasting room. But in that place where you're talking about mm-hmm. and behind, um, you can stay there. Huh. It's very cool. And then uh, I'm going to take some more back roads in the car and experience a little bit of the area, the agricultural region around there, and find my way to Dora's Mexican Food and Worm <laughs> Ranch. I knew you would have to do that. Because uh, people rave about the, the Mexican food there, and I know there's nothing fancy about it, and that doesn't matter to me because I like Mexican food, and I'll eat it any way I can get it. Anyway. Uh, and then what I want to do on on the afternoon of day three is I want to call ahead a few weeks before and see if I can arrange a geological tour with Kevin Pogue from mm-hmm. the Walla Walla, uh, the Whitman College, right? I believe it's Whitman. It's either Walla Walla Community or Whitman. No, it's, it's, I think it's Whitman. Uh, look it up on the internet because I didn't, but uh, just type in Kevin Pogue, Walla Walla, and it'll tell you how to get a hold of him. And if you can get some sort of a geological tour of the area with him. He's very knowledgeable it's about the ice age and the floods that came in and the layers of soil and a lot to learn from him. And he'll take you into the different types of vineyards. Cause a lot of people don't know this, but there's four different types of, of uh, soil mm-hmm. type properties between all the grape, grapes there. So, yeah. So you can have a, a wine that tastes very different from just two miles down another winery, and it's the same varietal. Yeah. You could grow a Syrah over here on one side of the road, and it'd be growing in the rocks. And then you could grow a Syrah just a few you know, hundred yards away, and it's in a nice, loamy, mm-hmm. soft soil. So uh, he's very interesting, and, and if you can connect with him, maybe if you've got a group especially, you could work it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then for my final dinner, I will go to the Mark for, mm. for dinner. Yeah. You know the problem with doing a three-day thing like this? As we're talking, I'm thinking, but what about Brown Family Vintners right downtown? And what about Eisenhower? That's one of my favorite. What about – there are so many just places have to, to go. You have and to go again. back again and again. And you have to make your plans because – and you can change your plans when you get there if you've just – something grabs you. All right. Well, we hope <clears throat> that uh, everybody enjoyed – these two special editions of Walla Walla, and we're looking forward to doing more of these for other regions around the state of Washington and the Pacific Northwest. And uh, we do our, our regular show every month, the Seattle Dining Show. You can pick that up right on our page at seattledining.com and click on show. And, uh, and look, have, 
sorry, and look for our written stories about Walla Walla as well on the magazine. Exactly, and we'll uh, we'll probably link those from a special page, a special show page. So, uh, want you to dine well, dine often, and don't dine. No, don't cook like my mother. Yeah, don't cook like Tom's mother. Thanks for listening to another edition of the Seattle Dining Show. This program is a copyrighted production of Mixed Media and may not be reproduced in part or in whole without written permission of the legal owner, all right? However, feel free to share the link with all your friends on Facebook. Studio equipment for this broadcast was purchased locally at American Music of Fremont Icon. The views and opinions expressed on this show are exclusive to the hosts and guests and do not reflect those of former employees of Bill the Butcher, the Surrogate Hostess, the Beeline Diner, Louie's Chinese Cuisine, the Dog House, the Five Mile House, Charlie's, the Twin Teepees, Ocean Air, Benjamin's, the Madison Park Cafe, or any other lost Seattle icon. Subscribe free to our monthly magazine online at seattledining.com and join us next time for another edition of the Seattle Dining Show.